Amen. Amen. I'm so, so glad to be with you guys. Uh, thanks for letting me jump in and lead worship for a second. That was fun. Um, this band is so incredible. Amen. I mean, you guys are so gifted and so blessed to be able to, I, I travel the country and this isn't normal, just so you know. Uh, so don't get used to it. No, know, that, know that there's something special happening here at Embrace. Uh, I'm so excited to be with you guys today. My name uh, is not Carlos, it is Carlos. So if you wouldn't mind, just uh, hello, Carlos. Ooh, Midwest for you. It's okay. It's all right. We're friends. We're family. Uh, I've been here so many times. I don't even know how many times I've been here. And I'm excited about the word that God has for all of us uh, today. Uh, a, a word really that this song uh, leads into. Uh, a place of, gosh, I mean, some of us are at a place where we, we are so desperate. No, not some of us. All of us should be at a place where we're so desperate for Jesus to show up. Um, so we, we, can, we can be unified that we're in that place. We need Jesus to show up. But we may be in different places where Jesus needs to show up. Some of us uh, today maybe are doubting Jesus. You know, you're, you're, I mean, maybe you've prayed for six years for something to happen. And it's like, I, I don't know. It's not happening. Is this, is this stuff even real? Is this fluff? So you, you, you doubt today. Guess what? Jesus is going to show up. Some of you guys... You may not be doubting, but you're in so much pain, you're in desperate need for Jesus to show up. Guess what? Jesus can show up in your need. Jesus can show up in your doubt. Some of you guys, you may be expecting Jesus to show up. Jesus will show up for you too in your expectation. So what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes is how, how can we really get Jesus to show up? In our lives, when we're in need of Him showing up, you know, um, when we when, when we look at the scriptures, we I, I love to look in the Gospels and I love to just look at Jesus's disciples, because Jesus's disciples I think are great reflections of us. They were followers of Jesus, yet they were on the struggle bus when it came to believe in everything that Jesus was saying. You see. When we look at the scriptures and we look at the gospels, Jesus' disciples sat in places where they were doubting Jesus, they needed Jesus, and they were expectant for Jesus. And Jesus continued to show up. So we're just going to hop right into the gospel of Matthew, and we're going to show up right around the time that the resurrection happens. Okay? So let, let's talk about some of us that may be doubting in here today. It's okay. It's okay to doubt. Let me tell you why. Because Christianity... If you look at it, if you take a step back, okay, maybe get, get, get out of your little Christian bubble for a second and look back in, is the craziest thing you've ever heard of. You're telling me that there was a man who lived 2,000 years ago. You're telling me that this man walked on water and things like that and like performed all these miracles, turning water into wine. You're telling me that he was murdered, and then they buried him, and they put him in a, in a cave. And then he was dead for three days, and then he got up. And you're telling me that if I believe that, I'm going to go to this place called heaven? That's crazy sounding. If you think about it, it is. And I don't think it's irreverent to say that. Because there's people in our lives that when you just look 
from the outside in at our faith, without the Holy Spirit, it looks pretty crazy. And doubt begins to creep in. But whenever doubt creeps in, Jesus always shows up. Can I get an amen? Amen. So, amen is just you guys agreeing with what I'm saying. And what I want you to agree with is that if there's those of you out there that are doubting today, Jesus is going to show up. Because even Jesus' disciples doubted. We've got the morning of the resurrection. Mary and Martha show up at the tomb, and he's not there. And they're like, I mean, can you imagine? They freak out. Angel shows up telling them it's okay. They, they go sprinting to go find the disciples. And then it says Jesus shows up and tells them to tell the disciples to walk to Galilee. Now, his disciples are his best friends on the planet. That's who Jesus' disciples were. They're who he hung out with every single day. And I think I've told you guys this before, but the number one phrase that Jesus says to his disciples more than any other phrase in the Bible, the number one thing he says is not, oh, ye of massive faith. It's not what he says to them. You know what he says to them over and over and over and over and over again? Oh, ye of little faith. Can you imagine? I want you to think of your best friend for just a second, whoever your best friend is on the planet. If you had to remind them to have faith in you every single day, like, what kind of friendship is that? If you had to go up to your best friend all the time and go, oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Of course I'm going to meet you for coffee. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye. Jesus comes through over and over and over again, and they still doubt him. And so we can relate to his disciples. We are very, oh, ye of little faith disciples. And I love this part of the story, this part of the scripture. It says, so Mary, Mary and Martha go tell his disciples to go meet him in, in Galilee. His disciples, I'm sure, are like, wait, but he's been dead. You're telling me he's alive. What? I don't get it. They start walking. Watch this. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee. Okay? They're walking. To the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some what? Doubted. Still. He's standing right there. And they still doubt him. They're still doubting him. But I, I don't want us to get lost in the seat. What, what this leads into, this, the next three verses are what's called the Great Commission. And it says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. That, that's what God has called us to do. But some of us can't even get to that part. I know for me, a lot of times, I, how am I going to go make a disciple if I can't even be a freaking disciple? How am I going to do it? But then I get such encouragement from the scripture because it says that the disciples, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some still doubted. And here's what happens in their doubt. Here it is. Then Jesus came what? Near. Then Jesus came near. Even in their doubt, Jesus came near. Even in your doubt, Jesus will come near. The only thing you have to do, okay, this is the only thing you have to do in your doubt, is what the disciples did. They walked to Galilee. They put one foot in front of the other, and even though they didn't believe it, even though they doubted, they kept on walking. And so when you're tired and you're doubting, the easy thing to do would be to turn away and walk away from what Jesus called you to do. 
But if you, in your doubt, if I, in my doubt, still take one more step towards the Galilee Jesus has called me towards, in my doubt, Jesus will come near. And in your doubt, Jesus will come near. He does. He does. We just don't, we just don't give him the opportunity sometimes. It doesn't have to be massive moments of doubt. It could be tiny moments of doubt. A couple, a couple weeks ago, I was on tour with Bethel Worship. They, they wrote the incredible song that you guys just sang. And I'm on tour with them. It's an incredible time. Every single night I get to share the stage with them, and I'm preaching, and it's great. But I'm exhausted about 10 days in. And I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been on a, on a tour bus bunk, but it's like you basically have to live in a coffin. So it's horrible. I mean, you're just like, Ugh. You know, and so every night, like, my, I'm getting old now. Like, I'm not, I'm not, like, in the mood to be sleeping or something like that. I need my king-size bed. So, like, every day I get up and my back's hurting. I'm just tired. It's 10 days into the run. I've got three days left before I get home. Three days left I get home. I can go, like, sit with my kids, sleep on my big bed, watch Netflix all day long. It's going to be incredible. I'm so excited. And then I get a text from my friend Justin. Justin is a church planner in Indianapolis, Indiana. And this was, let's see, this was Wednesday. I was getting home Friday, and Justin says, hey, Carlos, I know this is a long shot, but my, my wife and I, you guys know that, uh, or you know, Carlos, that Trish and I, we've adopted two little kids this week. They'd adopted two kids. I've been following their story. It's been incredible. It was awesome. But I knew where he was going. He's like, we're just so exhausted. I don't know if I can preach this weekend. Is there any way you can come to Indianapolis and preach for me this weekend? And when I saw the text, I was like, no, God. I don't want to do that. Like, I love him, and I'm so happy he adopted those kids. Yay for him. But I don't want to go help him because I'm tired. So I texted my wife because I wanted her to help me say no. And I was like, hey, babe, Ju Justin's asked me to come to speak in Indianapolis. I've been gone for 10 days. or I'll be gone for 13 by the time I get home. I, I should say no, right? And obviously, I was, she was supposed to say right. But she said, well, have you prayed about it? Come on, babe. Of course she said that. And of course I had it. Because I was doubting God at the time. I was doubting that, I mean, uh, to me, obviously, the right thing to do was to go help my friend in need. So obviously, that's what God would want me to do. But I didn't even ask God. I asked my wife before I asked God. Because I doubted I would hear from God. So I said, okay, I'll, pr I'll pray about it. So I prayed, dear Jesus, I prayed, I asked him, should I, should I go? And then I pulled out my journal. And I actually wrote in my journal, this is what I wrote, dear Jesus, like I was writing a fourth grade letter. Should I go and speak at Justice Church this weekend? Yes or no? And I wrote two little check boxes. I did that. And I, I said, okay. And I just kind of sat there. All right, show up, God, tell me, yes or no? And I was doubting that I was even going to hear anything. And I was just going to have to go on my gut. And then, clear as the, the, the scripture, John 3.16, pops in my head. It's like, John 3.16? That's like the first Bible verse everybody learns. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, have ever listened to that, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't mean anything to me. And I heard again, John 3.16. I was like, John 3.16. But then, as I was doubting him, I heard 1 John 3.16. And I was like, oh, 1 John. And when I said heard, just so you guys know, like it was just kind of like a, in my spirit. I was like, 1 John 3.16. I don't know if I've ever read 1 John 3.16, but 45 seconds after I asked God to check yes or no, I turned to 1 John 3.16. And this is what it said. 
one minute after I ask God, I hear 1 John 3, 16. Please freak out with me. Watch this. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, but shuts off his compassion from him, how can God's love reside in him? Boom! I freaked out! You should be freaking out too! I jumped up, I was in a coffee shop going, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Did anyone else see the Holy Spirit go right here in front of me? And I'm like looking, I'm like, did anyone still see a cloud or something around me? How did that happen? And it's so funny, I have the exact same response every time I ask Jesus for something, every time I doubt, and every time he shows up, I freak out. But he shows up every time. And this sort of conversational intimacy with Jesus is available to each and every person here. But sometimes our doubt is so strong, watch this. We doubt so much that we're scared he's not going to show up, so we don't even ask. Right? We're scared he may not even show up. So it's like, well, I'm not going to ask just in case. Start simple. Just start simple. Yes or no questions. I know you guys don't have Chipotle here. I'm so sorry. But if you did after church, you could ask him, God, should we go to Chipotle for lunch? Yes or no? <laughs> now, if you ask him, he's going to say no because you'd have to drive far away. But rumor has it by the end of 2018, you're going to have two here. So that's good news. Praise the Lord. But just ask simple questions, okay? If you're doubting Jesus, start simple. If you're doubting Jesus, don't start with these massive questions. Okay, God, should I quit my career tomorrow to start making knives full-time? Don't start there, okay? Start small. Start small and watch him blow your mind. This happens all the time to me. I ask Jesus for scripture and I open it and it's like, so I texted Justin. I was like, okay, buddy, I'm coming. Even if you don't want me to come anymore, I'm coming because Jesus told me to. Even in our doubt, Jesus shows up. He shows up when you doubt him. Okay, what about those of us that aren't necessarily doubting anymore, but we just need him to show up because life has taken a turn for the worse. We don't doubt anymore. Now we need him. We need him. He shows up over and over. There's this scripture um, it's one of my favorite scriptures. I think I may have shared this with you guys before. I, I share it every single time I preach. Um, 1 Peter 5.10. Now the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus. This is, a, this is the best part right here. Will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. If you need him, if you need Jesus, he's going to show up. Because it says it right here in 1 Peter. He's going to personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. Oh, man. Why does it have to end that way, though? After you have suffered a little. That was the best verse in the Bible for a minute. Then that has to come in. After you have suffered a little. So here, two promises. First, we will be restored from our suffering. Second, we're going to suffer. Because we live in a, broken, in a broken world. So God's going to show up in our needs. Because our needs means there's going to be suffering. But sometimes God's not just going to show up in your needs from you. Sometimes he'll use other people to show up. So don't just keep looking on the inside for Jesus to show up. Sometimes you have to look on the outside. My, uh, I, I share about my kids all the time here. When I started preaching here, I think they were like 11, 9, and 
and 7. Now they're 15, 13, and 11. And so, you know, now their brains are broken in different areas than they were before when they were younger. And my 15-year-old, she, is, she basically is like, she's turned into a, just a Disney princess. She, everything is, she's just like, da 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 like she's just like outside like talking to her chickens and like dance like she's Belle and she she I think that in her brain as my beautiful 15 year old daughter like that her world is this fairy tale that she wants to exist in and I'm like babe this is not the real world like I know I know that the soundtrack of Beauty and the Beast is incredible and you know every word but that's not our world but she's just kind of living in this world. And so I'm praying for my kids. We're praying for my kids constantly that, you know, the Lord shows them this and that. And my son, who's 11 now, so he's kind of left the stage of throwing tantrums every day. Now they're like once a month. And so he saves kind of all the tantrum strength for his one tantrum that he throws. And my wife and I happen to be on a date. And my, my uh, Disney princess, Sohela, calls me. And I hear Losai in the background screaming. And I heard him screaming, you don't love me. You don't care about me. I don't know what, what she did to set him off. But she did. She's like, guys, you have to come home. We, Losai is like out of his mind. He's in the room screaming, you don't love us. Nobody in this family loves us. You know, all these things. I said, okay, we'll, we'll come home. I looked at Heather. I was like, we got to cut the date short. Let's, let's go. So we pray. Jesus, we need you. We need you to come near. I go home. We're about 15 minutes away. We get home. I'm, I'm ready to walk in his room and him to be, you know, and they're all three sitting on the sofa, perfectly like this. And I walked in, I was like, wait, we just came home from our date for this? Like, what, what's happening? Like, Losiah, what? So, Hela, she fixed it. It's like, what, what do you mean she fixed it? Well, she walked in my room. She, he's talking about his 15-year-old sister, Belle, the Disney princess. And she told me that I'm speaking lies from the devil. And she said... By the power of Jesus Christ, the blood of the cross, and the power of the resurrection, I break these lies in the name of Jesus, because they're not true. And Jesus loves you, and we love you. And I looked at Sohela like, she did that? <laughs> I didn't say that, but me and, so me and Heather were like, okay. And we walked into our room, and we're like, it's working. This parenting thing is working. So we call Sohela, and she's like, yeah, Dad, like, I, I mean, this is how you and Mom pray all the time. And I heard Losiah was saying lies, and I said, these are lies from the enemy. So I went in there, and I broke those agreements in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I began to weep. Because Jesus showed up when we were in need, not through me, but through my 15-year-old Disney princess. The power and the authority of Jesus came through her. And the enemy left my son. And they were fine. See, Jesus is going to show up when you're in need, when you need him. And it may not be through you. It may be in the most unexpected places. So we understand he shows up when we doubt him. He shows up when we need him. And then last but not least, Jesus shows up when we expect him. Jesus is going to show up when we expect him. What does that look like? What does expectation mean? That, that word, I think it's a little mysterious to some of us. It's like, what, what is expectation when people say, oh, we expect the Holy Spirit to come? What's that really mean? Well, there's a, here's a great example. In Mark chapter 5, of somebody in, 
with ex- such massive expectation of Jesus showing up that they would do nothing. There would be nothing that would stand in their way to get to Jesus. So you've got in this story, Jesus is down at uh, the Sea of Galilee. And he's ministering. He's preaching. He's doing his thing. Well, there's a, there's a father named Jairus whose daughter's extremely ill. And uh, she's dying. She's on death's door. She spr- he sprints down to Jesus to go get Jesus. So Jesus, I've actually preached on the scripture before on the Jairus part, or Jairus part. Jesus follows Jairus to go and heal his daughter. Here's the part I want to I look at. On the way, in between the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and Jairus' house, Jesus is walking through the city streets. And it says that a crowd began to swarm him. A crowd began to gather around him. Because I mean, we understand, when there's a car wreck, the crowds come. People want to see, oh, what's happening? What's going on? So they're, they're crowding in. And that's where we find ourselves. It says, a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. Okay, let's get this right. This woman, this is back in Jesus' day, 2,000 years ago. She had been suffering from bleeding. Now, back then, back then, the men were so dumb that they would make the women leave during that, that time for them every month. Because they would say they were unclean and they were dirty. And so, can you imagine, they would, they would literally make the women leave. Can you imagine 12 years? 12 years of not being able to fix this in her life. She was lonely. She was rejected. She was lost and she was desperate for healing. She was desperate for expectation. 12 years of society rejecting her, of doctors trying to help her, but it actually says she became worse. On the contrary, because of the doctors, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, here it is, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe. For she said, if I can just touch his robe, I will be made well. If I can just touch Jesus, instantly her blood flow ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her current affliction. At once, Jesus realized himself that power had gone, and he turned around and said, who touched me? His disciples said, you see the crowd pressing against you, and you say, who touched me? So he was looking, and he saw, and the woman said, it was me. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. This is expectation. Let me tell you where expectation comes from. Expectation comes from desperation. When this woman had no other thing available, she was desperate for Jesus. I can only imagine she was on the ground, crawling, fighting through the crowd. If I could just touch him, if I could just touch him, if I could just touch Jesus, I'm going to be healed. I expect to be healed if I can just touch him. She touched him, she was healed. But that desperation set up her expectation. Here's the thing. We live in a society We got so much of our needs met. We're not desperate. When you begin to get desperate for Jesus, watch these healings begin to happen in your life. But you see, here's my problem. For the longest time, I I suffered with anxiety and depression forever. But I had like a good therapist, which is great. I had some good medicine, which is awesome. I had some podcasts that I can listen to, which is great. And then when some of those things stopped working, I'd go to something else. Guess what? The, the, the truth was, I wasn't desperate enough for just to touch Jesus and have him heal me. I wasn't. But when I was, healing came. So medicine, doctors, podcasts, sermons, church, books, all of those are incredible resources. But sometimes 
they get in the way of our desperation for Jesus. You see, I think some of us in here maybe think that this incredible church should be the thing that takes us closer to Jesus. Oh man, if Pastor Adam would just have lunch with me, then maybe... If I, if, if I could just get into that small group, that cool small group where all the, all, all the girls are wearing like the Pinterest dresses, like maybe just then, you know, maybe if, maybe if, no, you don't need that. All you need is Jesus. That's it right here. All you need is to be desperate enough for just Jesus, and he's going to show up. So we've got Jesus showing up in our doubt, Jesus showing up when we need him, and Jesus showing up when we expect him. This woman didn't care. There was no shame in her game. She just touched the hem of his robe. Can we get to that place where we are so desperate, we'll just reach out, touch the hem of Jesus' robe, and watch the Holy Spirit invade our lives and show up? Let's pray. Lord, there, there are people here Lord, if this was me two weeks ago. I doubted. And in my doubt, you came near. So for those of us that are doubting today, my prayer is that we just take one more step towards Galilee. One more step to where you called us to meet you. And even in our doubt, you'll come near. And Lord, for those of us who are just in need of healing from pain, suffering, May we be so desperate for it that there is no other way than to come face to face with you and just to touch you. May that touch of desperation be fulfilled in our expectation during these times of worship, during these songs. Maybe today, some point after church today, may we get to a place where we stop and we say, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with all the life hacks. Now my, my life hack is simply going to be Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe you are the ultimate healer. We believe that you will show up. And we are grateful that you've showed up today. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that this entire church said amen. Amen.